Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, September 15th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. Residents along the Gulf Coast bracing for a potential Category 2 hurricane as five separate cyclones spin in the Atlantic and Gulf of Mexico. Fire season just getting underway and already a record 3 million acres have burned out west as President Trump dismisses climate change. And in Arizona, the president attending his second indoor rally in just 48 hours as nearly 195,000 Americans have died from the virus. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus crisis. Daily infections in the U.S. holding steady for now, but experts warning of the very likely surge during the fall. This is the American Academy of Pediatrics reports half million kids have been diagnosed since the pandemic began. The U.S. averaging 35,000 coronavirus cases daily. Infections decreasing for now, but the fall and winter threatening the progress made so far. Each time it goes up, it goes a little higher. Each time it comes down, it doesn't come down as far. With the flu season approaching, kids heading back to school and cold weather pushing people indoors, experts are expecting numbers to surge again. We could have had an amazing fall. Uh, with uh, opening up schools safely, colleges safely, and instead we decided to thumb our noses at science. It just makes me sick uh, to see, uh, to know what we could have been as a nation and what we are today. As schools reopen for in-person classes, the American Academy of Pediatrics reporting 10% of reported infections nationwide are among kids. So far, more than half a million children have been diagnosed with COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic, more than 70,000 in just a two-week span between August and September. In Florida, state data shows a 26% increase in cases among children under 18 since classes started a month ago. The governor there under fire for not releasing COVID-19 data specific to schools. On Monday, the hardest-hit counties in that state, Miami-Dade and Broward, entered phase two of reopening, which will allow for in-person classes. Uh, the superintendent had originally targeted October 5th. That was his original target date. Um, he had an eight-point criteria that he was going to uh, utilize to determine whether or not uh, it would be safe to open schools. He has he has said publicly that that, that criteria has been met. The American Academy of Pediatrics also saying cases among children are underreported because the way data is collected is not consistent across states. And a new study suggests that blood type is associated with coronavirus risk. Scientists at genetics company 23andMe looked at more than 1 million DNA samples. According to that data, people with blood type O tend to test positive for the virus less frequently when compared to people with other blood groups. The study also found a rare genetic mutation in fewer than 10% of the population that appears to raise the risk of developing a serious case of coronavirus. A note, however, 23andMe's data is not considered scientific because it is relied on self-reported data and it's not been peer-reviewed. And scientists with the University of Pittsburgh say they have discovered a new drug that could treat coronavirus and it even prevent it. The research, researchers say they identified a small piece of an antibody that neutralizes the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. 
They use the molecule to create a drug that they believe can treat and even stop the virus from spreading. They say the drug has been tested on mice and hamsters so far. And now to the race for the White House. President Trump continuing to hold large rallies with little social distancing and Democratic rival Joe Biden is campaigning in a battleground state, Florida, where the Latino vote is considered crucial. Andrea Linares has the latest. While President Trump sat at a social distance during his indoor campaign event in Phoenix, Arizona, hundreds of supporters in the mostly maskless crowd did not. The president again defying warnings from health experts just one day after holding this indoor rally in Nevada, violating state restrictions on large gatherings. He knew what the rules were. He chose to show callous disregard in a reckless, selfish irresponsible way. There's no other way to put it. Now the venue where that rally was held on Sunday is being fined for violating the city's COVID rules. It faces six violations totaling $3,000 in defiance of public health orders. And the owner of the venue is speaking out. My goal was to continue the great American traditions of the right to assemble and to free speech. No different than the thousands that are allowed to assemble at gaming tables, maskless pool parties, and protests across the street. Meanwhile, last month, Trump told journalist Bob Woodward he did everything possible to stop the pandemic. The virus uh, is set because it's in real people's lives. Uh, you, you know, all those tens of millions of people who don't have jobs, who don't have I know. that income. Listen, I mean, you, you and I. Nothing more could have been done. Nothing more could have been done. Joe Biden slammed Trump for ignoring the four major crises he says the U.S. is facing, including the coronavirus. A president who recognizes, understands, and cares that Americans are dying, which makes President Trump's climate denialism, his disdain for science and facts, all the more unconscionable. It's clear that we're not safe in Donald Trump's America. And now to a new bombshell report. According to Politico, Trump appointees at the Department of Health and Human Services have worked to alter CDC COVID-19 reports so they would be more politically beneficial to the president. Sources familiar with the matter say CDC officials have fought back against the changes, but ultimately allow the political officials to review reports and in a few cases have made efforts to change the language in the documents. House Democrats are launching an investigation. Today, Joe Biden will be visiting Florida. He will make a stop in Tampa, where he will hold an intimate roundtable event with veterans. Biden will also mark the start of Hispanic Heritage Month with an event in Kissimmee, where about seven in 10 residents identify as Hispanic or Latino. Experts say his swing through the Orlando area will reflect where his campaign has room for improvement. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. 
Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now let's go to Edwin Pitti in Washington, D.C. He has the latest on Joe Biden's visit to Florida and his efforts to win that Latino vote. Edwin? That's right, Lorraine. Just like Donald Trump, Biden and his campaign are doing the best they can to improve their approach to Hispanics and try to earn the Latino vote, which is very important on this election. Now, this is why this afternoon Biden is set to visit Florida for the first time since he won the Democratic nomination. His agenda, like Andrea was signed before, includes a roundtable at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time with veterans in Tampa and also is going to participate in a Hispanic Heritage Month event in Kissimmee. Biden will also meet with Puerto Ricans who do not approve the way Donald Trump handled the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. Now, the meetings, Lorraine, are not all. The Biden-Harris campaign is also launching a series of TV, radio, and digital ads in Spanish. One of them is called Dicen Mucho, which means they say a lot. That's going to be focused on the lack of opportunities for Hispanic families under this administration. Of course, the White House is saying that that is not true, that under President Trump, Hispanics have been able to see the lowest percentage of unemployment. Of course, we know that number went up because of the pandemic, but Trump is saying that if he remains in the White House for another term, he's going to be able to better the economy and bring that number down again. Now, I can tell you, Lorraine, that experts are saying that once again, Democrats are late when it comes to seeking the Latino vote. And that situation in Florida is very interesting because a new poll by NBC News and Marist shows Trump and Biden tied with 48% among likely voters in that state. But among Latinos, Trump is leading with a 50%, while Biden has only a 46%. Live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And welcome back to U News. The Gulf Coast is bracing for yet another hurricane as Sally is set to become the fourth named storm to strike the U.S. this year. Grecia Lastra has more. Hurricane Sally is inching closer to the Gulf Coast. The outer bands bringing wind, rain and flooding ahead of landfall. The path and timing of the slow-moving storm is difficult to predict. The center is, is irregular and I think that that causes some problems with respect to accurately uh, forecasting it. But forecasters say Sally is expected to dump up to four months worth of rain in parts of Alabama, Mississippi and Florida over the next 24 hours. We do though see a potential for the storm to really slow down and stall out and that could dump up to 25 inches of rain. The entire region from Florida to Louisiana is also expected to endure tropical storm force winds and a dangerous storm surge. Everything is scary right now. Biloxi, Mississippi's famed Casino Row shut down Monday as flights are canceled and vacationers throughout the region cut their holidays short. Said they had to cancel because of the storm coming in. So we've just been hanging out, but we decided we better go home today. Some residents also heeding warnings to get out of harm's way. I packed up what I need for maybe a couple of weeks because I don't know how much water they'll be here. As others stock up on supplies and plan to ride it out. If I live on the water and I'm going to sit right there at the house while it comes in. This is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. Now to the fire disaster on the West Coast. More than 3 million acres have burned so far this year. That's nearly 30 times more than last year. And we have two more months to go in the fire season. One doctor says breathing the air near San Francisco right now is like smoking half a dozen cigarettes. Rafael Rodriguez reports on the growing call to better address climate change. 
finally a break for firefighters in the West. Cooler conditions giving crews a chance to make headway as they battle dozens of wildfires. In Oregon, nearly two dozen people are missing after fires destroyed entire towns. It's ashy and smoky everywhere. Portland's air quality remains the worst in the world, officials warning no one should be outside. And in California, apocalyptic scenes as residents make their way back into hard-hit areas. I've not seen a structure standing. President Trump visiting Monday, insisting wildfires could be controlled if states did a better job managing the forests. When you have years of leaves, dried leaves on the ground, it just sets it up. It's really a fuel for a fire. Washington's governor slamming those comments. What a bunch of ignorance. You know, and for the president to try to tell us we're not managing our forests, I don't think he could find which end of an axe to hold or pitch a tent without an instructional manual. But California's governor trying to find a middle ground. I think there's an area of at least commonality on vegetation, forest management. While emphasizing that the state just saw its hottest August ever. The science is uh, in and observed evidence is self-evident. Uh, that climate change is real, and that is exacerbating this. Just minutes later, Trump appeared to question that claim. Okay, it'll start getting cooler. <laughs> I you wish just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> I, well, I don't think science knows actually. California Secretary of Natural Resources later pushing back against the president. Fifty-seven percent of our forests in California uh, are owned and op owned and managed by the federal government. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. And joining me now is Leah Stokes. She's a political science professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Thanks for being here, Professor Stokes. There are two weather-related emergencies right now unfolding. The wildfires out west and a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, plus four more storms developing in the Atlantic. How unprecedented is what we're experiencing right now? Well, this is climate change happening in real time. The fact is we've already warmed the planet by one degree Celsius, and this is the consequence. We're seeing unprecedented fires across the entire Western United States. We're talking about more than five million acres burning, an area the size of New Jersey. And of course, that's leading to devastating air quality for people. And now we're looking at the Gulf Coast and Hurricane Sally about to hit and seeing people fleeing increased uh, rainfall and storm surge. And again, climate change is making these hurricanes worse. So the science is in, and it's clear that climate change is happening now. Professor, the president blamed the wildfires on state forest services. Is there any truth to that? Can better forest management avoid these devastating forest fires? Here's why we're having devastating forest fires. We have climate change happening right now. What happens when we warm up the planet? It gets hotter, and that hotter temperature fuels more fires. It also causes vegetation to die. And as you may remember, California has been going through really bad droughts in recent years. So it's true that we have more vegetation lying around that can catch on fire, but that itself is climate change. So the president is unfortunately a climate change denier, and he does not listen to scientists whether that's about COVID and the risks that it poses to Americans or about climate change, which is killing people across the Western United States right now. Talk to us about the president's track record on the environment. What has been the most significant step he's taken during this time in office to protect industry over the environment? 
Well, you've got that exactly right. The president has presided over massive rollbacks of environmental laws that protect all of us by keeping our air clean and our water clean. And rather than making sure that Americans' lives are protected and that their health is protected during a global pandemic, he has been bailing out the fossil fuel industry. Many people may not know that actually the fossil fuel bailout is part of the CARES Act. So a lot of federal money has been going to fossil fuel companies under the Trump administration. Professor, what is the most urgent step to take right now in order to avoid a rise in climate-related emergencies like these? We need new leadership in Washington. We have to elect a president that believes in science, that understands that climate change is happening now, and wants to protect all Americans from devastating climate impacts like wildfires and hurricanes. We don't have that right now. We have a climate denier. So I think that the most important thing that people can do is to vote, and hopefully we can have somebody who believes in climate change in office in 2021. Thank you so much for your time. Leah Stokes, Assistant Professor of Political Science at UC Santa Barbara. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The wife of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is being accused of potentially misusing taxpayer resources. A source familiar with the investigation says Susan Pompeo had a State Department staffer help her send family's personal Christmas cards. Tony Porter had testified before the House Foreign Affairs Committee last month that she assisted with the cards and felt uncomfortable with the task. That testimony was part of an investigation into Pompeo ousting the State Department's Inspector General Stephen Linick in May. Pompeo has repeatedly denied that Linick's firing was retaliation, and he maintains that he and his wife have acted proper and obeyed the law. The Justice Department Inspector General's office is looking into the changing of sentence recommendations for Roger Stone. The four DOJ prosecutors on the case originally wanted a harsh sentence for the former Trump campaign advisor's conviction, which included lying to Congress. Attorney General William Barr toned down his department's recommendation after President Trump criticized it in a tweet. Those four attorneys quit and told Congress they believed Barr reduced the recommendation to protect a friend of the president. Inspector General inquiries often take months or years to complete, and when they do conclude, they only make recommendations. What I would say is that uh, while Mr. Taylor was at the... And a judge is temporarily barring the Department of Homeland Security from enforcing new asylum restrictions on two organizations. Judge Paula Sinis says that's because Acting Secretary Chad Wolf is likely in that role unlawfully. Dozens of states, cities and counties are suing over the new rules to make asylum seekers wait longer to get jobs. The Maryland judge's injunction applies only to two groups. She says have clear standing and proof of irreparable harm. They are Casa de Maryland and Asylum Seeker Advocacy Project. 
Previously, the government accountability office also determined Wolf was appointed as part of an invalid order of succession. And it's a critical moment for hundreds of thousands of immigrants here in the United States. An appellate court ruling in favor of President Trump and his efforts to put an end to Temporary Protective Status Program, or TPS. Now the lives of 300,000 residents that have been in the country legally for years are at risk of facing deportation. Jorge Hernandez has more. More than a quarter million immigrants from El Salvador, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Sudan, who are part of the TPS program, could now be facing deportation. In a major ruling from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, two or three judges ruled that the Trump administration takes steps to eliminate a program that has protected almost 700,000 residents from being forced to leave the country. But this immigration attorney says the ruling doesn't necessarily mean deportations will begin immediately. ¿Para qué va a ocurrir? Número uno, las personas que están en el riesgo más grande. Aquellas personas que tenían una orden final de deportación. The people most at risk are those who already have final deportation orders. But you also have to remember for those facing a possible forced return to El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Haiti, those countries remain closed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Melissa Taveras of the Florida Immigrant Coalition questions the timing of the decision, especially during a pandemic. Agravado aún por lo que es la pandemia, tener una un tipo de pues de póliza o de decisión. It's a major issue that in the middle of a pandemic, we are considering deporting people and leaving them unprotected. It's not just a political issue; it's a human rights issue. The Temporary Protected Status Program has offered safe haven for residents from countries impacted by natural disasters, war, and other conflicts many have spent decades living in the U.S. with their deportation orders suspended and free to work legally. This ruling now means that hundreds of thousands will only be protected until January of 2021. Their work permits will expire then as well, and they will not be able to renew them. Immigration attorneys say the case could now make its way to the Supreme Court. Jorge Hernandez, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.